quality is a profession that goes hundreds of years back. Today, quality professionals work in construction, rail, pharmaceuticals, finance, and retail, to name a few sectors. Regardless of the industry they're in, they all work and deploy improvement strategies, assurance methods, and governance framework that helps make society a better place. Like all professionals, though, mistakes and missteps are made along the way. Confessions of a Quality Professional will bring you quality professionals from around the world to talk about their journey and share one of their confessions. Maybe two. Let's see if I can get more out of them. I'm Rashad Issa. Joining me today is Sonia Mills. Sonia is a quality professional with experience in projectized environments within the oil and gas sector. She has progressed a lot in her career, and I personally worked with Sonia in previous years as well, which we will definitely talk about during this podcast. Sonia, I'm so happy that you've joined this podcast today and you're going to share your journey with our listeners. How are you today? Yeah, I'm very good, and thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Um, I mean, this lockdown has came in with this pandemic and it's meant that we didn't catch up, but we used to have our coffee catch-ups literally face-to-face in different cafes and restaurants in London. So I miss that. And hopefully once we go back to normality, we'll get to catch up properly again. Um, so let's go ahead and start, Sonia. We w- I would like to start and share with the listeners your journey. When did it all start? Um, so I think, like many people, I fell into it. <laughs> I wasn't quite looking for it to start with, but um, it was an opportunity that came up um, back in 2013. And my previous company where I was working at, they were closing their UK operations. And it was funnily enough through LinkedIn that um, I got approached with a quality assurance uh, administrator job opportunity. Um, So I decided to look into it and said, yeah, I'll be interested to find out a bit more. And so, um, yeah, I went in for the interview and, uh, you know, did my research before as well to find out what quality was all about and what you could do if you had a job in that field. So, um, yeah. Um, it's it's interesting you say. I mean, um, uh, literally, I've had only one exception uh, with uh, a quality professional that started their career in quality, um, uh, and that's that's my previous episode with with Iyad Bibi, and he shared his journey. But almost everybody else I know has fell into quality without knowing uh, what it is. So let's let's share with our listeners. What was the link from the previous job into the new job? What was the common denominators of skills you've had? Um, so before going into quality, I was um, already in oil and gas projects. So I had that background, but it was more um, project admin than document control. So going into like quality admin, you needed that attention to detail, you needed sort of documentation, what to look for in a project. So all that background I've had 
actually helped. So it's really nice to see because um, uh, your experience brings a, a different view to so many others, uh, other professionals because you've started in that projectized environment. So you've worked within the constraints of a project. And there are lots of resources that could help our listeners understand what project management is and the restraints of scope, quality, uh, cost, schedule. Um, that is completely different an organization that's operating business as usual yeah yeah no i was just gonna say actually it was um just remembered that when i used to do the dog control job um and the engineers would bring you drawings and you would spot already wrong stuff on the drawing so i was correcting the engineer's drawing and a colleague of mine said, Sonia, you don't get paid enough for correcting the drawings give it back to the engineer so it was quite funny, you know, you started learning what was the correct way of doing things. And then that helped in quality later on, because when you're doing an audit, you would know what to expect on a drawing and you could help pick it up. So that was my thought there. And it was a connection between both, not just eye for detail, but that looking into some errors, some checks, some verification of how the drawings should be. And, and that mm. eye for detail really is, is, is a skill that we appreciate in, in the industry, regarding of what sector you're in. So thank you very much for sharing that. So you've started into the quality admin world. Um, tell us more. Where did you go from there? So then um, I must have been in that role maybe a couple of months. And my line manager and the, the department manager noticed I was getting a bit bored with doing little weekly quality reports and just doing statistics. So they already worked out I wasn't going to stay a long time on just the, you know, beginner's level. Um, so they started putting me into um, just attending audit sessions to see how other people are leading them and learning how they are using um, audit checklists, how they're leading the questions and then investigations into documents, um, categorizing the findings. And then so I went on from there, getting really involved in the actual quality activities on the project. And just to our listeners, when we talk about uh, audit reports and findings, uh, basically in the quality world, when we perform any kind of check to make sure things are happening the way they should be, there would be an outcome, which we refer to always as a finding. And this finding can either be positive, sharing a success story, some things have worked, that we want to share with the whole business about, or the finding could be that we need to improve or fix an error that occurred. And that we generally end up writing it in a, same, in a similar format that would be understood while providing the evidence of the discussion or of the audit that happened and so on. So, so that's in, it's interesting how it all starts from the point of having the eye for detail and doing some checks into moving straight into the world of audits and helping into the reports of the findings and tracking and, and getting those plans. Um, and, and how did things progress from there? So from there... Um... I actually got um, asked to travel out to Kazakhstan where the project site was, but also another supporting office. And we had a number of new team members joining. And so um, I went with our quality manager. He was on a trip anyway, and then I joined him along. 
and I was um, training the new ladies there in the department for two weeks. So that was kind of like, yeah, about a year and a half maybe after I joined. So then I had the, you know, great opportunity to already teaching hours. Um, so that was really good. And, and, and this is something that tends to be also a common development for quality professionals that I've noticed with, with various guests is it's like two stages or maybe three stages. It's acquiring the knowledge. It's putting the knowledge into practice and improving it and then moving into simplifying it and sharing it with others and passing on that knowledge. So it's good to see that that's also all, all, always the case. And for me personally, Sonia, I find that when I deliver a training, I improve my own understanding of how certain things should take place. Did you find that was the case when you started to deliver training? Did it improve some of your own understanding of how things should work in the oil and gas sector? Yeah, definitely. Plus, um, my previous um, manager, she always said to me, if you can explain it, as you understood it properly, and then, you know, it'll be easier for others to know what you're talking about when you're telling them. So it was always like, read it, tell it to me in your own words, and then you'll be fine explaining it to others. So, what a yeah. fantastic tip. What a fantastic tip. I fully agree in this. As long as you can explain it in your own words, then it means that you've actually are capable of sharing that knowledge and sort of standing behind whatever information you're giving. And uh, what are you doing now, Sonia? So at the moment, I'm working in a construction company based down in Southampton in the south. And um, I'm within the commissioning and handover team. So we're at the point when I'm helping out with um, documentation and, um, you know, making sure we're meeting all the uh, specs and uh, contract requirements so that we can eventually hand it over. Move it from a project environment into business as usual, into the operations of the hands of the customers and so on. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sonia, for sharing your journey with us. Sonia, it's really great to see your journey started, you know, just from that attention to detail and that interest, which I always call it curiosity or being nosy, that you want to get things right, moving into, you know, that sense of checking and helping engineers into then the world of audits and now into the world of moving the outcome or the product from a, a, a from a projectized environment, from a sort of a, the restraints of a, a localized team into business as usual. That's fantastic. I would like to know one of the stories that make you smile, one of the successes that you are proud of when you remember and you cast your memory back to your journey. What would that be? Um, in my journey, well, we actually together had a really nice experience because you ended up being my mentor through the Chartered Quality Institute. So that's definitely a highlight. Um, and as you know, yeah, as you know, we ended up in the Quality World magazine and I ended up on the front cover. So that's, <laughs> well, you, that's, you've a, that's a big highlight. That, that, um, you've spilled the beans you've spilled the beans so for our, oh, for, all no. our 
for for all our listeners, just as they're aware, um, that's how. Um, well, actually, that's not how Sonia and I met. Sonia and I met for the first time at the very first International Quality Awards um, held in 2017. It was the inauguration of the International Awards, which were completely planned and organized by the Chartered Quality Institute. Um, uh, we both met uh, in, in, at that uh, ceremony. It was held in central London and we were both finalists in different categories. But that's how we met. And uh, uh, sort of fast forward the clock to another year and a half, the, the Chartered Quality Institute, who we always refer to as the CQI, started their mentoring program. By that time, Sonia and I had already con connected on social media, and then we connected through that mentoring program. And we started a mentoring journey together, which I have to say, I not only enjoyed, but I learned a lot from as well as a mentor it was such an added value experience and uh, yeah i wasn't the um, uh, the 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 chosen face for the cover it was your face that was chosen for the cover and it was all over the quality world magazine which was uh, fantastic so thanks for sharing that however as I, I i i'm involved in that story i would kindly ask you to share another success give me something that's fully your success that makes you really smile from your achievements throughout that journey what would that be i think um do you know what it was actually when i was leaving my last job so the the big one where i did all my full-on steps of becoming the lead auditor and things like that then when i left i was six years in that job moving up and up all the time and then um, I had to leave for personal reasons anyway but aside from that um, you know when I was leaving I had feedback from like um, one of the engineering managers that I was cooperating with on a number of projects and he said he never ever met such a curious person that was like a sponge you know just taking everything in about engineering management and how everything is working so he said you know continue that don't forget to be like that and um, uh, he just said yeah carry on doing your quality stuff because you're good at it and um, another thing only just this month actually one of the other managers uh, she's in South Africa but she remembers my whole story and the whole journey because she was there with me as well and now she's got a friend whose daughter is looking into going into quality. So she thought, oh, let's get Sonia to tell wow. that uh, little young lady about, you know, how to get in there and give her ideas. So it really, really like warms my heart to know that even though I've left that place, people still remember and now I can still be a little role model for others. Absolutely fantastic. Amazing. Definitely. Because I always say, and, um, you know, we, we've talked about this as well previously, we don't know what marks we leave on people. But some way the universe works in its, in its magical way and you find yourself months or years down the line and somebody from the past comes to you and you think, wow, I did leave an impression on that person. And what lovely is that they wanted you to engage with their daughter to share with them your journey and, your, and, and just to share your story, to give them ideas. Fantastic. Brilliant, Sonia. This is really, really great. And it does warm my heart to hear that simply because I know you're in person as well. So I'm very happy for you. This is really great. 
Can I just touch base on um, you becoming a lead auditor? I know because what you've shared was part of that journey as well. And um, for everybody listening, um, I mean, why are we using the word lead auditor? You know, we are auditors. Um, but let's just explain a little bit the journey of what it takes to become a lead auditor. And then I will, I will provide some more insights of it. So how did you become a lead auditor? Um, so first, um, I had to actually internally get practice doing my own little audits. Um, then I actually went on a one-day or two-day um, little course just to get acquainted officially with the ISO 9001 standard so that you have the fundamental knowledge of all the clauses and everything that um, you should be auditing against. And then you go on a five-day training with a big exam at the end. So, and you have, um, well, before COVID, it was person, personal, you know, uh, awesome. actual face-to-face -face class. Yes. So we were, you know, together in a room. Um, but now with COVID, I've done a couple of other auditing courses and you just do it on Zoom. But, but yeah, at the time, it was a classroom course. And then you had homework to do every night as well, mm -hmm. so that you were ready for the next day. And you had to have all your revision done uh, for the exam on the Friday. So it was very intense. It definitely is not an easy, easy thing to, to achieve. No, it's not. I, I, I have taken that training myself. I'm a certified lead auditor as well. So I completely understand the intensity of that training. But what I really want to highlight to all of our listeners, especially those who are interested in quality profession, is something you've mentioned that you had to start with a practice. You had to practice and participate in internal audits and then do a training. So this is one area of the profession where experience comes first rather than uh, doing something theoretical, especially in the arena of audits. And that's brilliant because it's good for everybody to know that, yes, you can be a quality professional and you don't need a degree. You need to just go down the right path and then learn specific tools and techniques and methods and certifications to do that. So thank you very much, uh, Sonia. And once again, congratulations. It's always nice to be a role model. Wonderful success story. Now, the moment we're all waiting for, one of your deepest and darkest confessions, something that you want to share with all of us that you would never do again or something that you've learned from and you know how to do it differently this time. What would that confession be? Okay, so I think the confession is that I'm not an ultimate expert on purchase orders and inspections and testing okay i'm not but if you have a team you can use their expertise and you can leverage everybody's um high points and their um you know the actual things that they are good at so what happened was i was in a project where it had engineering procurement and construction in scope and at the time i wasn't that experience within procurement and construction, the actual real life activities that happen with materials and equipment. And I was getting really stressed out about it. 
thinking, oh my goodness, I have this massive project to deal with. I only know engineering and a bit of site, but I have a gap in the middle. And um, my manager noticed that. She said, Sonia, don't think about the massive project that you have to do all by yourself and that you have to absolutely know every single thing about everything. You can use you know, your team or if you don't have a big team, always find an expert that you can link with and you can rely on. So I think the lesson and the confession is that, yeah, don't rely just on your on your own understanding of things or your level of experience. You can use your quality team you have around you to actually um, get the job done. But as long as you've got like the leadership skill and you've got the general knowledge of what's going on on the project, then the other really expert gaps can be filled by others. This is great to share as well. Um, I personally find it very uh, useful, Sonia, because thinking that you know everything will not only cause stress, but would also ultimately lead to inaccurate decisions within the project that you're working on. And that is much more dangerous, in my opinion, than actually somebody raising their hand and say, I'm not an expert in this area. Who is? Who can help me? This is the skill we're looking for. This is the direction that we're lacking. And then working together as a team. Um, And unfortunately, I have, in my experience as well, encountered many people who just rely on what they believe is their own knowledge and make decisions without tapping into that wealth of team skills and and expertise available. Um, Did you find yourself throughout that, the gap that you've identified, how, basically how long were you operating with that sort of anxiety and um, discomfort, you know, that you have that gap and, and you're not sure where, where how to actually fill it. How long did that take? Um, probably six months. Wow. And then, I mean, it was getting worse and worse because as the project progressed and the more complicated things were coming up, I was like, oh my goodness, okay, another project meeting and I need to be ready for it. Or, okay, we're placing another order and what quality requirements do we have to have with that equipment? So it was, it was, it took a while to realize, okay, I can't do it all by myself. And I need to tell, like, my boss knew already, you know, my managers knew because they had me on a stretch assignment then. But, so they, they knew it, but it was in my own head that I had to work it out that I'm not just, stuck there in the deep end just to like drown they put me there for a reason they knew I could cope with it but it was just the way of me myself realizing and then getting other people to help me rather than just trying to do it all by myself self-realization no matter what Mm. other people think if we don't believe there is a gap then we will never know how to fix it because we don't see it so it only takes until that step Before I let you go, here is one extra question. Because I know you as a person, what is one of your pet peeves as Sonia when you go out in your social life 
what is one thing you notice in your day-to-day life that you always frown upon and say, ah, if they only do it my way, that would be much easier. What would that be? Um, mm, Let's think. Um, 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 um. If you're doing shopping, as you do shopping, and and, um, things are not in the place they used to be, right? Because supermarkets, uh, they always change the aisle layout so that you don't just go to what you need to buy, but what they want you to buy so that they commercialize it better and sell more stuff. Um, and it's like, come on, you know they are trying to do their sneaky advertising on you, but it's quite annoying if you just want to get to your usual things in your usual order and they are not there. I, I that pisses me off as well. I mean, it's so painful because you would have a certain time and you know you want to go to the right aisles and then you go, oh, what happens? Do you know what, what one pet peeve that really irritates me is have you been to some of those uh, stores that have several floors and they have escalators? What I really hate is when you're going up the escalator or down the escalator, they change the direction of the escalators, forcing you not to go immediately from one floor to the next, but to go around the entire floor to go to another set of escalators to go back up. And you go, what a waste of footprint. Just get me up to floor number three. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. No, I can, I can relate. Yes. Brilliant. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Sonia, that was definitely an enjoyable uh, chit-chat and I cannot wait for us to have coffee face-to-face somewhere in London and do our catch-up again. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for sharing your journey, your success story and definitely your confession, which I will always count on. Um, And thank you to all of our listeners who joined us today. If you enjoyed the episode, please hit the subscribe and follow button. If you felt in a very good mood as well, do not hesitate to write us a review. If you have any questions, comments or most importantly, confessions, please do tweet me at Rashad underscore Isa using the hashtag confessions QP. Until then, thanks for listening and please bring forward your confessions. Thank you.